A little trivia. Who wrote 1 Peter? Who? You can answer. Peter! Yes, you're smart. And then who wrote Romans? Paul, yes, very nice. But did you know that they knew each other? I didn't know that quite. It's like information became revelation. I was reading, Paul waited three years after his spiritual conversion to visit Jerusalem, and he actually stayed at Peter's house for 15 days. That's in Galatians 1.18. And then Paul also knew James, Jesus' brother, which is the next verse. So how cool, they knew each other. We're going to be reading from Peter and Paul today. The headline in my Bible for 1 Peter 3 says, All Christians. First, first, that's 1 Peter 3, verse 8. All Christians is the title of that section. Finally, all of you should be of one mind, full of sympathy toward each other, loving one another with tender hearts and humble minds. And who told us this? Peter. And I looked at my footnote, and it says, Peter developed the qualities of tenderness and humility the hard way. Have you ever had to learn something the hard way? I have. These attitudes did not come naturally to his impulsive, strong-willed personality, but he learned tenderness and humility. Peter wasn't humble at first, right? God changes us. God, Peter grew from his mistakes. Peter is telling us to be humble. Peter, we can be changed and transformed. Peter made some mistakes. He cut off a guard's ear. That's not gentle, right? That's not gentle. He proudly told the Lord he would never deny him, and he did it three times in a row. But mistakes help us grow, don't they? We learn, we mature through making mistakes. Studies show on average, we make 118 mistakes a year. If you have a 70-year lifespan, that's 8,000 mistakes in a lifetime. My daughter's youth pastor, she gave me the wrong date. She said, hey, have Kylie at her small group in the northwest of Las Vegas on October 25th. I said, great, you're giving me a month's notice. Then the day of, she said, I'm so sorry. I meant September 25th, and it was that day. I said, it's all good. And you know what she said to me? My mistake. And I thought, yeah, I'm talking about mistakes. We make 118 of them on average a year. I get it. I left green salsa from a restaurant in the trunk on Friday night this week. I was like, I'm going to put it in the trunk. Bad mistake. I forgot it. Ryan yesterday opened the trunk, and he said, ah, he's screaming. And I'm like, what? And my green salsa exploded everywhere. And I'm like, my mistake. I hope I don't do that again. So don't put your salsa in your trunk. The gases exploded. It was horrible to clean up. I know. So I learn a lot from my mistakes, don't you? And I won't leave salsa again, I promise. Peter is telling us to be tender and humble. I love that. Truly a transformed man. He cut off the guard's ear. He denied the Lord three times in front of him. He was transformed by telling us to be tender and humble. I love that. Okay, back to verses 9 through 22 of 1 Peter 3. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, so if you have your verses and your um, Bible, it might just have a little different wording. 
So verse 9 through 22, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate when people say unkind things about you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God wants you to do, and he will bless you for it. For the scriptures say, if you want a happy life and good days, and who doesn't? If you want a happy life and good days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and keep your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Work hard at living in peace with others. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. Suffering for doing good, verse 13. Now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't be afraid and don't worry. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if you are asked about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But... You must do this in a gentle and respectful way. Again, he's telling us to be gentle. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak evil against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, it is better for suffering for doing good, for that is what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. Verse 18, Christ also suffered when he died for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners that he might bring us safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. So he went and preached to the spirits in prison, those who disobeyed God long ago when God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat. Only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. And this is a picture of baptism, which now saves you by the power of Jesus Christ's resurrection. Baptism is not a removal of dirt from your body. It is an appeal to God from a clean conscience. Last verse, 22, love it. Now Christ has gone to heaven. He is seated in the place of honor next to God, and all the angels and authorities and powers are bowing before him. So good, so good. What is so cool about the Bible are all of the cross-references. God knows we need to hear it again and again and again, right? When you're reading a passage, look at the cross-references in other places in your Bible. It's like a fun scavenger hunt. I was really enjoying going everywhere thinking, wow, the themes are all over in the same Bible in many different places. And then what I love is personal responsibility is the headline in Romans 12. Who wrote Romans? Paul. So we got all Christians from Peter, and then we have personal responsibility in Romans 12. And that's what it says in my life application Bible, personal responsibility in Romans 12. The Bible really does spell out how to live. When we say, I don't know what to do, I don't know how to live. No, it pretty much does spell out how to live. Romans 12 is so good. Faith comes by hearing the word. Romans 10, verse 17. So I'm just going to be throwing a lot of verses today. Um, in verse, it says in verse 2 of Romans 12, 
Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by how? Changing the way you think. Are there areas in your life you'd like to see change, growth, improvement? I know I'd have some. Erwin McManus said recently, if you want to learn and grow, the secret is, and I just hung on his words. It was on a podcast. What is the secret to learn and grow and um, how to change? He said, you have to implement it immediately. And I thought, that's good advice. If you want to learn and grow, the secret is you have to implement it immediately. So I took that. Bob Goff, a Christian guy we, most of us maybe have heard of, he said, we are not held back by what we don't have, but by what we don't use. And I heard this Christian CEO in a leadership class, she talked about how there's seven Fs in life. She made it so practical. And we were all in the leadership class just like listening to everything she said. There are seven Fs in life. Okay, interesting. She said the first one, faith. And I loved that, number one, she's a Christian CEO. She like runs all of waste management in a city or a state. And uh, it was her family business. And she um, said, number one is faith. I love that she put God first, her faith. Number two, she said, your family. Number three, she said, your firm. And that meant her business. So faith, family, firm. Then she said, your finances. Then fitness. Then she said friends. Then she said fun. So she said there's seven Fs. Faith, family, firm, finances, fitness, friends, and fun. And we're just all jotting this all down. That totally makes sense. There are seven Fs in life. And then I thought she missed one F. And you might have some coming to your mind. Food. She forgot food. Like, I don't want to live a day without food. You said fast. Vanette, that might be a good word. Fasting is good, but food is vital in life as well. And I added that one. That was not on her original seven Fs. And how great we get to have delicious food together. Uh, John Elridge, he wrote a book, Wild at Heart. He said on a podcast I listened to, we are needy and leaky as humans. Think about how much we need every single day. By the way, I stopped at the Moapa Reservation gas today, $4.19 a gallon. $4.19 a gallon. I thought I was winning because in, um, by my house in Las Vegas, $4.95. So I saved a lot. Uh, we are needy and leaky as humans, he said. Food, water, conversation, housing, air conditioning, heating, clothing, fun, vacations, hope. We need this stuff, right? And we are leaky, he said. We keep needing it. He said, last year's encouragement has already run dry. In fact, yesterday's might already be on fumes. And Jesus says, and we pray, give us this day our daily bread, right? We had a leaky pipe recently. I think Ryan talked about it a little bit. And it, was, it needed almost constant attention. And the guy, of course, couldn't come at 2 in the morning. So I just knew I'd be up all night dumping the buckets, dumping the buckets. And it... We didn't stop leaking. It was horrible. We too are needy and leaky as humans. There seems to always be a depletion somewhere, right? Minerals, electrolytes, our sleep, our bank accounts, our joy, our peace. It's, you could think about something in your life that maybe has a deficit. What we ate six months ago was a long time ago, right? 
a long time ago. I have a 17-year-old son, almost 18. He is always hungry, always hungry. Psalms 103.14, he writes that God knows we are weak. He remembers we are only dust. Isn't that great? He knows we are weak. He remembers we are only dust. And in those eight Fs, there will be some conflict. Conflict is actually okay. We think of conflict negatively, but it actually means there's passion. You care. In fact, on average, we spend 2.8 hours a week dealing with conflict. And globally, it's 2.1 hours. So if US is 2.8 and globally is 2.1, what does that say about us? We like a little more conflict. Maybe our work days are longer. But we spend 2.8 hours a week, on average, dealing with conflict. It says managers and some employees spend almost five hours a week on conflict. Think about how many hours you might engage in conflict. Some people resist conflict. They want all smooth waters, right? Everyone has to think and act the same. Nothing should ever rock the boat, right? The problem is, Proverbs 14.4, a clean trough has no oxen. But 1 Peter 3 says, what we read, to work hard at living in peace with others. And then I jump to Romans 15, 5 through 7. It gives us some great tangible ways to have harmony with a rocking boat. They are, we already know we're going to have conflict. We already have said it's part of life. We're humans, and there's many things to have conflict about. So Romans 15, 5 through 7 gives us great tangible ways to have harmony with the rocking boat. May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other, each with the attitude of Christ Jesus toward the other. Then all of you can join together with one voice, praising, uh, giving praise and glory to God. I love that. Pastor Bill Johnson, he spoke on this exact topic and God is just so good because he says, my burden is light. So I'm up here, and I say, God, give me what you want for your people. And then I hear this message from Bill Johnson. It's a short clip, I promise, but it's so good. So we're going to play that, and hopefully the sound, and you can hear it all. But Is a proper sound. Could you start so it from the beginning? Do. Thanks so much. Orchestra, you can have instruments tuned to each other, but they can be completely out of tune from what is a proper sound. So what they do is they take like a tuning fork and all the instruments tune themselves to this one thing. How do these instruments get united? Not by working on unity. They get united by tuning their heart to the one standard. Everybody adjusts to the one thing and they find themselves in tune with each other. I believe in unity. But sometimes we're tuned to each other, but not to him. Yeah. Unity for each other actually starts with a unity with him. I surrender to you. Amen. Orchestra, Thank you can you have Thank you so much. We can keep playing it. I've played it a million times too. And that was my heart. I loved it. It was on Instagram. And I'm like, that is such a good, such a good visual, right? We are all different players. Not tuning to each other, but towards God. 
and then we'll be tuned. It's like a triangle, right? Both heading in the right direction towards the point. Romans 12, 9. Don't just pretend that you love others. I love that it says that, because we can say, we love you, we love you. Don't just pretend that you love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Stand on the side of good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. He says again in verse 18, Do your part to live in peace with everyone as much as possible. Harmony doesn't mean everyone has to think and act and do the same thing. Henry Cloud, a Christian psychologist, wrote, when two people are free to disagree, they are free to love. When they are not free, they live in fear, and love dies. He quoted 1 John 4.18, perfect love drives out fear. Speaking of fear, don't be afraid, don't worry. Have you been told this before? Don't worry, don't be afraid, it's all good. The Bible actually tells us not to be afraid and not to worry, but how many of us still worry and how many of us are still afraid? Yes. I just listed eight areas in our life that can cause us a lot of worry and fear at times. Those eight areas can drain us. They might not always be perfect in harmony. So this summer, I joined four of my six siblings and their families for a reunion in Dallas, Texas. Aww, so cute. Ryan couldn't attend, so I went with our two children. Dallas was hot. Temperatures were reaching 120 degrees with stifling humidity. We were miserably sweaty the entire time. The entire time. And most everything we did was outside. We took two, out, two showers a day. It was, it was crazy. We should have brought more clothes. The heat didn't let up even at night. But we didn't seem to care. We're all smiling, right? We were with each other, laughing, spraying each other with water, meeting new babies for the first time, taking lots of pictures. Cousins were playing in the pool. We went to Six Flags over Arlington, sweating again the entire time. Circumstances can affect you, but they didn't define the trip. I'll say that again. Circumstances can affect you, but they don't have to define you. Christian neuroscientist Dr. Caroline Leaf, she wrote something recently. See your emotions as house guest. I thought that's an interesting thought. My emotions as a house guest. She said, not a permanent resident. She said, use anger is visiting rather than I am angry. Anger is visiting rather than I, I am angry. Emotions can show up unannounced, but you get to decide how long they stay. There are three miracles in this picture. I'm just going to say quickly. Berkeley is my brother, Chad, and all of us love God passionately. I'm so grateful to have six brothers and sisters. This is only... Um, Six, uh, four of the six, two of the, um, um, hold on, four of, yeah, because I'm not counting myself. I'm like, we have seven. But two of my siblings couldn't come. But Chad is holding Berkeley, and she was given a 1% to 3% chance of living. 1% to 3% chance of survival. And she's doing great. She spent many, many months in the NICU, and she's, 
She may still have developmental problems later, but right now she's doing amazing. She is a total miracle. And then their other child, Ryder, I said, do you want to hold your babies? You're all together. And they said no, and I wasn't really volunteering him. But Ryder, they went on their baby moon to um, Park City, Utah, and he decided he wanted to be born two and a half months early. So can you imagine going to Utah? They live in Dallas, Texas. They go for a short weekend, and the baby wants to come. And I talked to my brother, Chad, so I had details to share that were factual. And he said, yeah, my wife, Cassie, her body was literally shutting down. And they had to do an emergency C-section and get little Ryder out. And they, again, spent months in the NICU. And he's doing amazing. And she's still alive, praise God. And then, last one, the baby that you can't see real well straight in the back is Sydney. I shared last time, my sister-in-law, um, she's wearing white shorts with her shirt, with her hand like that. She's a... Uh, um, She's an anesthesiologist in Atlanta, and she couldn't get pregnant, and she had lost all hope. And I said, no, Jenna, you don't have to lose hope. We have a God who answers your prayers. He is faithful. So I went down with my daughter, who's next to me, and we laid hands on her womb and her, um, on her vacation in Orange County when we lived down there. And I said, God, you are faithful. Jenna wants a baby. Bless that womb. And little Sydney is right in the back, absolutely adorable and she's also a miracle so it was so nice to be able to like meet them touch them hug them kiss them and just celebrate god's goodness so but De texas dallas texas had more to offer for me dallas fort worth airport is almost the size of a small city it was beyond anything i had ever seen it's huge in fact it's so big they make you pay a dollar toll just to enter a dollar toll, can you imagine that? Every time you pick up and drop off, a dollar toll. And that was like criminal to me. My brother's like, don't worry about it, it's fine. But I was not liking that. Dallas-Fort Worth Airport is 17,207 acres. 17,207 acres. It's the second largest by land area in the US. Does anyone happen to know which one's the first? Denver. I've never been, but Denver's the biggest. On my flight back to Vegas, I watched the airline staff there be rude to other customers on different flights, forcing them to pay for their carry-on luggage, shutting the boarding door right in their face just to reopen it. I even mentioned it to my daughter, look at how they're treating people. I was appalled. We were ready to board our flight, we had been delayed, we were zonked from that Dallas heat and the busy schedule we had had on this trip. We were navigating their toll roads. I was alone without my husband, so that was also extra, trying to drive in a foreign city. My brother got lost, and he's lived there seven years, so I felt better. Dallas is hard to navigate, I'm telling you. It's hard. He got lost, and he lives there. Um, so we were ready to get home. You know, when you're ready to get home from a vacation. The airline staff began their circling. It was our turn to board. And they were picking people out of the boarding line to pay for their luggage. And then I became their next target. I, little old me, became their next target. I squeezed my bag into their metal bin uh, to show them it fit. It fit. Look, it's, it fits. He goes, nope, it's over by an inch. $99 fee. 
I'm scurrying, I'm scurrying, I'm taking out stuff. My kids are mortified, you know, they're all about not being embarrassed. They're mortified, mom, come on. I'm like, I'm trying so hard, but the wheels were like an inch larger than their bin. So they kept all saying in unison, boarding doors are closing in one minute, they try to get you rushed. They receive a commission and a bonus for getting uh, $99 out of their customers, so it absolutely benefits them. You have no choice but to hand over your credit card. I look at my finger, I'm bleeding really bad. I've been putting with stuffing, you know, trying to do this adrenaline, I'm shoving it in their metal bin, ripped off the skin on my finger. My daughter's like, mom, you're bleeding. I don't have a bandaid, I don't have a Kleenex, I'm just trying to board the flight. It was an awful experience, awful. And I was just robbed from a backpack. I got on the flight and I'm like, I was just robbed for a backpack. I had some conflict in the F categories of fun, family, fitness. I was absolutely exhausted, and my finances. It wasn't harmonious at that moment, was it? And I made a mistake, one of my 118. I apparently brought the wrong backpack on this trip. So when I got home, I went on the airline's website to file a complaint. I talked to a few people, I talked to the flight attendants, they said, yeah, I know, we've had this problem in Dallas, there's nothing we can do. Then I did land in Vegas, it's local, they know I'm local, um, come on, help me out. And they're like, nope, sorry, you, there are rules, there are policies, there are emails, and they're going to give me the hard line. So I said, okay. But I don't stop, I'm pretty tenacious. So I'm like, I'll just file a complaint with the airline, and if they don't want to do business with me, that's fine, I'll at least know this is their policy. So I thought, should I wait till Monday? I just flown, I'm tired, and I'm like, no, I'm just gonna do it. Let me appeal this somehow. Don't you like appealing? It's like so good to know someone cares, at least you think they do. I show them pictures of my backpack, I show them my finger, I show them receipts of their $99 charge. I was so tired from the trip, I tried to sleep that night. I did it very well. It was kind of bothering me. What happened? Do you ever say that in life? What just happened? What happened? We went, I think Ryan's told you this story, but we went to get um, IHOP pancakes when my son was really young, and he hit his head on the table, blood everywhere. We rushed to the ER to make sure it's not broken, and we were like, what happened? A little bit of conflict, right? The last thing I wanted to pay was another $99 on a trip. You know how vacations get expensive for a two hour and 20 minute flight for a backpack that didn't even cost that much to buy in the first place. I should have just left it there in their, on their feet. Um, just take the bag, fine, you know? Do you know that Satan doesn't want your stuff? He wants your joy, your faith, and your peace. If you can't control it, don't let it control you. Worry is just a tool of the enemy to take our minds off God's power. I have learned to take everything to him in prayer. I'm learning to have peace in the storms, and sometimes it's hard. God is in control of my life. He loves me. He is for us. I couldn't offer myself a refund. The next morning at church, I went a little burdened and tired physically. The whole message and service was about faith and worship and getting our eyes off of our problems and how God does the impossible. He's able Sometimes it's not about what we know, it's about what we do, what we put into practice, right? Like Bob Goff said, we are not held back by what we don't have, but by what we don't use. And it's so great when God gives you a, 
a great filled, like faith-filled service. So he was just like, God does the impossible, he is able. And I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> so I can know all the benefits of the F category of fitness, but if I don't implement them, I don't receive any benefits at all, right? I can't, I can't know how to exercise, and if I don't do it, expect <clears throat> results. So I entered into worship that morning at church. I lifted my hands like a toddler who wants to be picked up by their dad, by their parent. And I just listened and like repeated the song we were singing, the Elevation song. It said, you were a provider then. You will provide now. You are the same God. Participation was necessary. I could have just been like, I had a rough time. I'm exhausted. I just said, you know what? I don't feel like it. What happened to me wasn't fun. I'm exhausted, but I'm just going to worship you, Lord. You were a provider then. You are the same God. You will provide now. Just like in Romans 12, personal responsibility. I was tuning back into God, the master tuning fork. Another good study on a side note is read Psalm 119. And just look at how many times I and me are written from David. I will do this. I will do this. I will do this. We can truly do a lot to get back into tune. We really can. Uh, at church, tears started flowing down my eyes. God saw what happened. He knows. He'll make it up to me. I started getting more faith, right? Even if God goes through 10 people, I truly believe this. He'll repay what's been stolen. I left church so filled with faith. I said, guys, my kids were like, mom, that was crazy. We have to tell dad. And I'm like, guys, God will take care of me. It's fine. Like, it's all good. So when something is unfair or stolen from my kids, I do everything I can to restore it. Those little mommy bear claws come out, and I definitely want to make it right. Matthew 7, 11, a parent's heart is to give their children wonderful gifts that will bless them. My daughter had this adorable lunchbox I got her last year. It was like a mini backpack, but it was a lunchbox. It was stolen within the first weeks of school. She's like, Mom, it was taken. I said, Kylie, your name was in the backpack, in the little lunchbox. It didn't matter. It was so adorable. It got taken. It got snagged. I replaced it immediately. It is in our hearts to, to make the wrong right, and we come from where? Dust. After a great service at church and lunch as a family, I was exhausted, so I said, babe, I'm going to go lay down for 10 minutes and take a nap. And what do you do when you take a nap? You look at your emails. You look at your emails. So I look at my email and the auto response from the airline, which I'm going to keep nameless. They said, we've received your complaint. Give us seven days to respond back to you. Okay. My eyes skim, and I see another email from them. My heart leaps. It says, we are so sorry. Please accept our apologies, and your $99 refund is being processed. Allow seven to 10 days. I was like, yay, yay, I get my $100 back. The refund was processed the very next day. In testing and trials, you will see what you are made of, right? It's how we respond to them. Take everything to God in prayer. Time after time after time after time, he answers. 1 Peter 3.12 tells us, the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right and his ears are open to their prayers. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. I would ask my daughter, Kai, am I perfect? She goes, oh no. And it's true. I'll be the first to tell you I am not perfect. The goal of the Christian life 
isn't perfection, but it's affection. The goal of our Christian life isn't perfection. God knows we come from dust. He's the one who saved me, but it's my affection. I just had to go, God, $99 isn't important. You are. I tune back to you. Let the garbage of the world go. You're my affection. Amen? Psalm 51.17 says, God always selects a repentant heart. Just a reminder today, there's no condemnation in Christ. I love how we sang that song. Romans 8.1, that's, that's Romans 8.1, there's no condemnation in Christ. I love also that Hillsong song we, we've, sing, we've sang before, and I put it on. A hundred billion failures disappear. And it's like, we can talk about our mistakes. I went to a woman's group and she's like, I'm, I was not a really good mom. I really made a lot of mistakes. I said, stop, you're an amazing mom. Let God fill the cracks where you lack. We like to you know, lead with our mistakes, but it says a hundred billion failures disappear. You're not known by your mistakes. If anyone is condemning you, it's definitely not the Lord. We will make mistakes. We will make mistakes and they help us grow. The mistakes disappear, but the growth in us is evident. 1 Peter 3.8, tender hearts and humble minds. Satan wants your faith, your joy. The joy of the Lord is our what? Strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. I'm challenged in this season to open up my heart. Let the Lord do heart surgery. Drive out fear instead of worry and fear. Worship Christ as Lord of our lives. That's what should be on our lips. Your praise will ever be on my lips. Sometimes, though, it's our complaints. Our complaints are always on our lips. Our excuses are always on our lips. Maybe it's our criticisms of others that's on our lips. Are our hearts tender? Are they good soil? Let's pull out those weeds that don't be, um, this shouldn't be there. I'm finishing up. A water tank was filling um, water by my house. They were building a new casino, and there's a fire hydrant right by my, right off by a park. And he's filling up his water tank at the hydrant and a lot of water is spilling out. And I'm thinking that's kind of counter, counterproductive. So he's friendly. He smiles at me. I'm on a walk because I'm trying to work on my fitness, my F fitness. And I asked him, why is it spraying out like that? He said, it's old and cracked and rusted. And it made me think God is the source and just like that water tank, old, uh, and just like that water, hold on, I, I messed up. Um, it is old and, so he says, it's old and cracked and rusted. It made me think, God is our source, and we are like that tank, old, cracked, and rusted. Just kidding, just kidding. Um, see, that's why I had to repeat it. Because um, he's like, it's old, it's cracked, it's rusted. And I was like, yeah, we are kind of old, cracked, and rusted. Just kidding. But it was such a great visual. We get from the source, and then we water all around us. We are just like that container, just being the vessel that originally took and received to then freely give. The tank drove away, and he still sprang and leaving his trail as he left. And it made me think, what trail are we leaving? Is it hazardous? Is it welcoming? Is it refreshing? Are we leaving any trail at all? Maybe you're as dry as a bone. You have nothing to give. Are we giving a trail of hope, a trail of love, a trail of peace, of joy, of harmony, 
of anger, of gossip, of criticism. Isn't that amazing? A water tank that's messed up and busted gave me such a profound thought of, wow, what am I spilling out? Am I going to the source? 1 Corinthians 13.1 reminds us, without love we are what? A clanging symbol. 1 Peter 3.18, he died for sinners. We've already talked about this because we had communion today, thank God. 1 Peter 3.18, he died for sinners that he might bring us safely home to God. 1 Peter 3.19 through 22 talks about Noah and baptism. Do you know who closed the ark door? They all went in and the Lord shut him in. Genesis 7.16, what I love is that the Lord shut him them in on the ark what a visual it's not lost on me that jesus says in john 9 john 10 verse 9 i am the door if anyone enters by me he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture amen what a picture the lord shut them in on the ark his desire is to bring us safely home love it in closing Think of the, set, the Fs in your life, the seven, the eight. I love that fun is on her list. First Peter 3.10, if you want a happy life and good days. God wants us to be happy and have good days. Are you having fun? Are you enjoying your life? Are you enjoying your close relationships? Are you dealing with a lot of conflict? Are there things you can do to improve some of the F categories in your life? Is there peace and joy in your car, your home, your office, in your head? A pastor in Vegas recently said, are you tormented? I thought, well, that's a strong word. He said, give the Holy Spirit all of your heart. Release what you are holding on to. Again, releasing and giving and going to the Lord for help. He said, you'll never have a better life than living for Jesus Christ. And God Thank God, God does not charge a $99 baggage fee, okay? Okay, Romans 12, 11, finishing up. Never be lazy in your work, but serve the Lord enthusiastically. Christine Kane is a very passionate Christian. She wrote this recently, and it just spurred me. So she said, what we do in this season matters, what we say in this season matters. What we pray in this season matters. What we read in this season matters. What we watch in this season matters. What we think in this season matters. What we learn in this season matters. What we release in this season matters. What we believe in this season matters. And it's just reminded me, like, I have to start and I implement immediately, and the thought of, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, we say that sometimes, it actually does, it does. All right, let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for your word, for First Peter 3. Thank you for Peter and Paul's word and their examples to us. Let us be gentle in our words. Let us have tender hearts. If there is any part of our heart that's become hardened, God, do do heart surgery on us, Lord. Soften us. Let us pay people back, not with what they deserve, but with blessings. Let us keep our tongues from evil and our lips from lying. Let us work hard at living at peace with others and all that we can do. 
You watch over those who do right, and your ears are open to their prayers. Thank you, Lord, for that promise. Increase our faith today. You are a good God. Let worship, not fear, not worry be on our lips but, and, and be in our hearts. You have given us so many blessings, God, rich, full lives. We thank you. Holy Spirit, help us to grow in all areas we need. Let us live in harmony in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Amen. Amen. And just a, a quick thank you so much to Trina and Tyler for their amazing help. Thank you. Thank you. Just like side note, my husband said, yeah, babe, I give them my verse, my title, and four points. And I slam Tyler with 14 points. <laughs> he said, that's a woman for you. Lots of words. I hope it wasn't too much. I just really love church when I just get filled with faith. I just love packing it in. So there was too much. Sorry, but I do what I do. So thank you so much for having me, and I'm honored to be here, and we love you guys, and um, thanks.